The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at WrestlingWithJonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. We are going to look back at the week of February 25th through March 3rd. And oddly enough, this is where the Beatles actually are correct. This is going to be an eight-day week that we're going to look at because, you know, February 29th only comes around every four years, and we're going to cover the couple of things that do happen on uh, the 29th. I believe there was a Super Brawl from WCW uh, that we'll look at, uh, or at least mention, uh, going through this. But it is literally the one time a year we have an eight-day week to review. So we're going to do that. I want to thank you for joining us on YouTube and Facebook. And for the first time ever, we are going to be on a new service discovered by a Canadian called Rumble. It is uh, been put together by a Canadian uh, company, and it's somewhat uh, just like YouTube upstart uh, company. We want to be on board uh, as soon as possible. And uh, today, this episode is going to be downloaded to Rumble. So uh, hopefully you find that wherever you uh, get your internet services. I believe they also have an app, so you can check them out. I believe Chris Jericho is on there as well. So, hey, if it's good enough for Chris Jericho, why not us? Um, But we're going to be on that. And, of course, listening to us audio-wise on Stitcher, Spotify, Arthur Radio, anywhere else you get your podcast from. Uh, I'm still working on getting us on Audible, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. But, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us wherever it is. And we want to thank the Johnners uh, Podcasting Network, the Ontario Indie Podcasting Network, and, of course, CoolBet for being all a part of our broadcast that we do. I want to also remind you, if you're a fan in the Ontario area, check out our Facebook page every morning at 7 a.m. and in the afternoon at 1 p.m. throughout the month of March. We are doing the Ontario Indie March Madness Tournament. 64 talent all across Ontario getting narrowed down to one. We're already a couple days in, but there's still many days and many times to vote. Uh, So join us during that. But we're here to talk about history, and we can't do that until we bring in Jonesy from Niagara Falls. How are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty damn good. I was watching some AEW Dark. hadn't watched that in a while, and... um entertaining uh i don't know AEW just feels like old wcw to me <laughs> yeah it is very much that way um we are recording this wednesday evening at 7 p.m ish um there is supposed to be a huge announcement from tony khan and the second time he has in the history of AEW gone to the ring to make an announcement the last the first and only time was when brody uh, lee died and uh, this time it's going to be for a more momentous occasion. If you believe anything that uh, comes out of the big hype, uh, rumor has it it's not a talent this time, and it could be a streaming service, um, including the AEW library, which would be all your dark uh, episodes, and also Dynamite and Rampage, the pay-per-views. And I'm going to guess they're probably going to be uh, trying to get somebody else's Library, not mentioning Ring of Honor by name, but you never know. Ring of Honor is uh, needing some money. So that could be happening. By the time you watch this, the announcement will have been made. But that's present time. We're talking about history. So let's uh, dive back into time and start off with headlines. All right, February 26, 1997 was the final taping in the 546th episode of WWF Superstars of Wrestling before it became a highlight show for the remainder of its run, concluding in 2001. The last ever WWF Superstars match was Ahmed Johnson defeating Leaf Cassidy. Good old Al Snow. Ahmed Johnson was Al Snow? Wow. Yes, clearly. Cool. February 26, 1997, at a Monday Night Raw taping in Berlin, Germany, the British Bulldog defeated Owen Hart in a tournament final to become the first ever WWF European champion. The Bulldog uh, would hold it 
the longest at 206 days, the European Championship was only around for about five years, including Shane McMahon abandoning the title briefly in 1999. It was unified with the IC title in 2002. The tournament, taking place over a week-long tour of Germany, included Flash Funk, Da Boogie, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Bret Hart, Rocky Maivia, Mankind, and Vader. Came down to the brother-in-laws, the tag team champions at the time. Indeed. February 26, 2010, WWE cleans house as a slew of talents get released, including Gregory Helms, Marina uh, Canellis, uh, Paul Birchhill, uh, Yar, uh, referee Scott Armstrong, and two days later, Charlie Haas. And FYI, the pirate Birchhill retired in 2014 and became a firefighter in Kentucky. Referee Armstrong would return a year later for Elimination Chamber, then became a producer in the WWE. And Maria and Shane Helms bounced back and forth numerous times between uh, working at Impact Wrestling and, uh, in Maria's case, Ring of Honor. But uh, they've uh, come and gone uh, a couple times from WWE. Shane is currently uh, working uh, there as an agent. And occasionally shows up as uh, the Hurricane. Oh, very interesting. Good to see you still around then. Um, February 27th, 1974, in Tokyo, Japan, Giant Baba finishes 8-0-2 in, uh, in a round-robin tournament, become the first Pacific Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Champion. Others in the tournament included Abdullah the Butcher, Bobo Brazil, Dick uh, Bayer, a.k.a. the Destroyer, Terry Funk, Don Leo, Jonathan, Pat O'Connor, Bruno Sammartino, and Wilbur Snyder. Giant Baba would hold the title for the next 1,920 days until Tor Kamada defeated him uh, for it on the June 1st of 1978. That is a long little rain. That is a long rain. Now, I don't know, that'd be too boring that many days. God. February 28, 2000 on Raw's War, Mark Henry and Crash Holly fought to a no contest for the WWF Hardcore Championship. It was what happened during the match that would become one of the oddest payoffs uh, to a storyline. And Sean, can, can you tell the story? Well, I think we've told it a bunch of times uh, over the while. But, of course, uh, we talked about when May Young had her birthday, that she gave birth to a hand. A white slime-covered rubber hand, which then the Raw reunion show had the hand uh, as an adult uh, show up uh, with her. But yes, they had a hand uh, pushed out of May Young, who was definitely in her seventies at that time. Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson were throwing up all over the place. The EMT was mortified and. Nobody knew what was going on. There was no mention of it afterwards. But that's the payoff from Sexual Chocolate hooking up with Mae Young. Yeah. Now, um, you know, with the fact they just had that uh, Johnny Knoxville on, um, oh God, no, Royal Rumble. There you go. Um why couldn't they have got the hand that they've used before that comes out of the doorway and slaps people and had that? That's Mae Young's hand. Anything's possible. Johnny yeah. is still sticking around until WrestleMania, rumored to be going against Sami Zayn. You know, I, I, I look forward to that. I like Johnny Knoxville. He's um, quite entertaining. February 28, 2002, WWF premiered Tough Enough 2 on MTV. The series uh, wound up being won by Linda Miles and Jackie Gaeta, uh, Matt Morgan, Kenny Lane, a.k.a. Kenny King, and Jesse Ward, wife of NXT uh, star Tommaso Ch Ciampa, uh, were also part of the cast. Yeah, I didn't mind uh, Tough Enough. Uh, they definitely should have gone somewhat that uh, route when they uh, launched NXT in the competition version that they had uh, the start. If they'd done a little more tough enough uh, side of things, 
it probably would have gone off uh, a little bit better than the, uh, the wrestling and play day competitions that they had for five seasons. Now, they, they don't have that sh- uh, show on the WWE Network, do they? Uh, tough enough? I'm not sure. It might be available. Yeah, because I, I, I think I've checked for it before and it hasn't come up. Because uh, that is one of those, uh, I did enjoy the um, uh, uh, series. It could be, uh, if it's not there, I would guess it's because it's owned by uh, MTV and I think Viacom owns uh, that. So it'd be CBS, which could, if they ever wanted to, I guess, put it on Paramount Network. But uh, uh, we're going to go and celebrate birthdays as I cut you right off. Uh, birthdays of February 25th, uh, Sean O'Hare would have turned 51. Uh, February, also on the 25th, uh, Maria Canellis uh, turned the big 4-0. And Ric Flair, woo, is still hanging in there at 73. He's just seeming to go crazier and crazier. He even just recently split up with uh, Fifi the maid. Wendy and him split. And yeah, now he's... Yeah, it's just been a horrible year for uh, Ric Flair. Now, what has Ric Flair had? More retirement matches or more wives? They're almost uh, neck and neck. It's at least five uh, wives, so who knows? All right. That would actually make a pretty – why don't they have a reality show with Ric Flair? I don't know. Anyways, well, probably because they'd get sued and they'd have everyone after them because he's a fucking pig. Anyways, February 26th, James Mitchell turned 27, uh, turns tw- uh, 57. Uh, also on the 26th, Pentagon Jr. is 37. Vern Gagne would have turned a ripe 96. On the 28th, Ricky Steamboat turns a 69. Norman Smiley is 57, Masato Tanaka is 49, and Lance Archer is surprisingly 45. There we go. So some good birthdays in the uh, month of February. We'll uh, check out the ones throughout the month of March in uh, just a little while. But featuring one of our uh, birthdays, our superstar spotlight goes on to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I was going to drag out the picture I have of him uh, from the uh, London Gardens in uh, London, Ontario, but uh, moved too many times. I don't know where it is right now. But anyway, and breathing fire. Yeah, it's him breathing fire. And um, I've always wanted to ask you who to, what the which referee it is in there that's actually in the ring. Anyways, uh, I'll find that picture again. We're going to move on. It's a happy 69th birthday of Richard Henry Blood Sr. He's best known to wrestling fans as the legendary Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was born in West Point, New York, and his family moved during his high school days to Gulfport, Florida. He became a state wrestling champion for Boca Siag High School. In 1976, Richard made his professional wrestling debut under his real name, Rick Blood. He'd be given the name Ricky Steamboat by Eddie Graham in Championship Wrestling from Florida. Graham um, thought the name Rick Blood was a heel name, not a baby face, while the name Steamboat came from his resemblance to Hawaiian wrestler Sammy Steamboat. In 1977, Steamboat uh, Steamboat joined NWA affiliate Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, uh, known later as Jim Crockett Promotions. He'd soon have a rival in the brash Ric Flair. Steamboat broke through that June when he defeated Flair for the Mid-Atlantic TV belt. Over the next eight years, he would uh, be one of NWA's most successful performers, winning the NWA United States Championship three times, the NWA World Tag Belt belt six times, the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship twice, the Mid-Atlantic Tag Team belts four times, and add a second NWA World Television Championship run. After having creative differences with Bunker Dusty Rhodes, Steamboat left for the WWF. In 1985, he would get the nickname The Dragon and feud with Don Morocco and gets his melon nearly cracked open by Jake the Snake Roberts. 
He would then have a feud with Randy Savage, leading to winning the IC belt from Savage at WrestleMania 3 and produce one of, if not the best, Mania matches uh, for decades. Uh, two months after winning the IC title, he would drop it to the Honky Tonk Man due to issues with WWF management and his request for time off to spend time with his newborn baby and wife. Kind of sucks that he had to drop it to Honky. Uh, well, it was supposed to be uh, Butch Reed, but yeah. uh, Butch Reed started no-showing for whatever reason, and Hockey was in the right place, right time, and Hogan went, what about him? And for whatever reason, Vince went, okay. It did lead to uh, 14 months of the Honky Tonk Man being the champion, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, after that, Steamboat, even though he returned, didn't go anywhere. Maybe because they were still mad at him for uh, ruining their long-term plans. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, he'd return about six months later, but never regained a decent push from the WWF. He did uh, decide to retire at age of 35. Of course, that didn't take. Uh, Steamboat would return to WCW in January of 89, teaming with Eddie Gilbert and get the pin on Ric Flair during a tag match, would set up a long feud with the Nature Boy and would win the NWA world title at Chi-Town Rumble. He'd leave WCW due to a contract dispute and impending foot surgery. He'd return to the WWF in 91 as the Dragon Spewing Fire, the picture that's center there, uh, fire from his mouth. He'd only appear at one pay-per-view SummerSlam in a six-man tag and leave the WWF again. He'd return to WCW winning the WCW World Television Championship twice uh, from Steve Austin in September of 92 and from William Regal at Clash of the Champions in August of 93. He would also win the NWA and WCW World Tag Belts with Shane Douglas in November of 92. Also, he'd feud with Flair again and then uh, win the U.S. title from stunning Steve Austin, then lose it back. Steamboat then would be fired from WCW via... Oh, FedEx, surprise, surprise. Shocking. Uh, Ricky would leave wrestling for many years, then return during the early years of TNA, including being in the special guest referee. In 2005, he'd become a road agent with the WWE, be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and appear at WrestleMania 25 in a Legends handicap match with Piper and Snuka losing to Chris Jericho. His amazing ring condition and chemistry with Jericho would lead to a short program with Jericho showing that the Dragon still had it, and in fact, he did. Yeah, it was awesome uh, seeing Ricky back uh, there. I would honestly say Jericho brought out the best in him in his uh, toilet years, naturally. But in his formative years, you can't go wrong with uh, Savage against uh, Steamboat, Flair against Steamboat, and of course, when he was uh, lower down in the card, uh, seeing him with, uh, in no particular order, Austin, Regal, and Rude. So probably five best uh, guys in no particular order for him would have been Savage, Flair, Regal, Rude, and Austin. Great matches all along, and he... Uh, Carried a very young uh, Dustin Rhodes and uh, Shane Douglas to uh, tag team titles. So mm -hmm. he was able to uh, mentor uh, the next generation. And I, I actually liked him better in WCW. And I think in part that was due to, uh, I could get the name wrong, but Gary Capetta, uh, the ring announcer who had the higher pitched uh, voice when he introduced Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to me and that music. Um, I can't remember, uh, can never remember the name of the group. But anyways, um, one of the best entrances, in my opinion, uh, that I like the most, him yeah, coming out. Yeah, I'd agree. The WCW did him way better than the cartoony world of uh, WF. Um, unfortunately, his wife was not uh, the best uh, Bonnie for his uh, career as she wanted more him than what he got and you know that's why some of those contract disputes happened and then of course his son Richie was uh, briefly with Florida and uh, the start of NXT but he got injured and unfortunately was not able to follow in the same footsteps of his dad but putting together this list for this slide that I put uh, made here it's as exhausting 
uh, writing it as Booker T later on. Uh, it just shows you how much he did, where all he worked for AWA, uh, JCP, the NWA, uh, WCW, WWE, WF, and uh, New Japan, All Japan, TNA, Ring of Honor. Uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer in 1996, Cauliflower Alley Club Luthaz Award in 2012, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum 2002, George uh, Tragos and Luthaz Hall of Fame uh, 2009, WD Hall of Fame 2009, NWA Hall of Fame 2009. There's not much this guy has not done. Uh, you went through the list of all the things that all the titles that he won. Uh, then he had match of the year with uh, Flair, match of the year with Savage. Great career for Ricky Steamboat. And you wonder if um, uh, WWE will go a a after the headdress uh, there for their collection. <laughs> if they don't already have it. Uh, big events. February 25th, 1990, NWA in association with WCW presented Wrestle War 90 Wild Thing. Also on the 25th in 95, ECW presented Return of the Funker. Uh, also on the 25th in 2001, WWF presented No Way Out. On the 26th, 2011, Ring of Honor celebrated their ninth anniversary with a big show from Frontier Park Fieldhouse in Chicago, Illinois. In February 27, 2000, WWF presented No Way Out. Uh, on this card, the big show defeated The Rock to earn a WWF championship match at WrestleMania 2000. Uh, uh, Triple H defeated Cactus Jack in a Hell in a Cell match to retain the WWF Championship. And with the loss, Cactus Jack was forced to retire for just three weeks as Linda McMahon brought him back as the surprise fourth man at WrestleMania 2000 in the Fatal 4-Way Elimination match for the WWF title. And each uh, person had a McMahon in their corner. <coughs> I'd like to have Steph in my corner. Uh, February 29th, uh, 1992, WCW presented Super Brawl 2. Uh, this is Jesse Ventura's first pay-per-view appearance for WCW and his first appearance on a wrestling pay-per-view since WrestleMania 6. There you go. Ventura, Ventura was released just before SummerSlam 1990. February 29th, 1992, Sting defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. For the second straight year, let me just go back there. I'm not sure. Is that right that Ventura was released just before SummerSlam 90? So I thought he, did he not commentate that? Because that was the cage match with the Warrior and Rude, was it not? Yeah, maybe Something it should be me. 91. Sorry? Maybe it should be 91. Yeah, perhaps 91. Okay, well, we'll, we'll just uh, continue. Fact check that one. Yeah, fact check that shit. Uh, doo, 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 doo. So February 29th, 1992, Sting defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship for the second straight year. Super Bowl was, Brawl was the final pay-per-view appearance for the reigning WCW champion Luger, who wrestled his final match on the show and was le leaving for the WWF. As he had no complete clause in his contract, Luger uh, skirted it by joining Vince McMahon's pet project, the World of Bodybuilding Federation. As it turned out, Luger was intent on retiring from in-ring competition, but Luger was injured in a motorcycle accident that summer. Uh, by the time he recovered, the WB folded and Luger returned to the ring for the WWF in early of 93. As the narcissist. Yeah, a decent character, but I don't know. Wrong guy to play it, I think. Yeah. Uh, February 1st, 1998, ECW presented Living Dangerously. On the 2nd, 2013, Ring of Honor presented its 11th anniversary show, and Kevin Steen defeated Jay Lethal to retain the ROH World Championship. Title changes, February 25th, 1995, Benoit and Dean Malenko defeated Sabu and the Tasmaniac to win the ECW World Tag Team Championship. 
Also on the 25th, 2001, Big Show defeated Raven to win the WWF Hardcore Championship. And on the same card, The Rock defeated Kurt Angle to win the WWF Championship. That would make The Rock the first six-time WWF champion in company history. Yep, surpassed Hogan and Bret Hart. As he earned that, um, yeah. February 26, 1967, Vern Gagne celebrated his 41st birthday by winning the AWA World Heavyweight Championship for the eighth time by defeating Mad Dog Vachon. February 26, 2000, at an ECW on TNN taping, Tommy Dreamer and Masato Tanaka defeated the Impact players, Lance Storm and Chris Candido, to win the ECW World Tag Team Championship. Also on the 26th, 2000, in L.A., California, Chris Candido defeated Damian Steele in a Falls Count Anywhere match to win the XPW World Heavyweight Championship. Candido would vacate the title just three weeks later after he signs with the WCW. Really good talent. Unfortunately, uh, Demon's outside the ring and a uh, bad relationship. did him in, I think, uh, for how great he could have been. And then, unfortunately, the blood clot after an injury in TNA took Candido from us way too soon. Indeed. And that was bad. Too soon gone. Continue with the 26, 2002 at a SmackDown taping. Goldust defeated Maven to win the WWF Hardcore Championship. Uh, 2007 on Raw, John Zena and Shawn Michaels defeated Rated RKO, Edge, and Randy Orton to win the World Tag Team Championship. And this is where, I'm sorry, too, too, too many times, especially in the WWE, uh, where two big names get slapped together and win the belts and just make the tag belts look like why. Yeah, the Franken tag teams also won them spur of the moment and was part of sowing seeds between a match that was already going to be happening between Sean and Cena. Uh, they did it with Sean and uh, Steve Austin and a bunch of other times uh, yeah. people did that. Uh, yeah, it does definitely devalues your titles when you don't have legit tag teams winning them. Uh, I get when you have a team like, uh, Randy Orton and Edge get together and form a name, you know, rated RKO, or even right now, Randy Orton and uh, Riddle, RK Bro. You know, the two singles who come together to do stuff, I get and I don't mind, but the impromptu uh, slap them together on a Raw and, oh, look, they got the titles. Now can they cooperate with each other leading into their one-on-one match? It's a little too cliché. Yeah, I agree. Uh, February 27, 2000, Kurt Angle defeated Chris Jericho to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. On the, also on the 27, 2000, the Dudley Boys defeated the New Age Outlaws to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. Uh, 2014, Adrian Neville defeated Bo Dallas in a ladder match to win the NXT Championship. The win ends Bo's 280-day reign as NXT champ. Yeah, and we'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show with our look at that event. All righty. Uh, moving to February 28, 1982 in Atlanta, uh, Ole Anderson and Stan Hansen defeated Jack and Jerry Briscoe in the finals of a one-night tournament to win the vacated NWA World Tag Belts. In 1986, Dick Slater defeated Jake Roberts to win the Mid-South Television Championship. He would be the last to hold the title before it became the Universal Wrestling Federation. And that eventually got sold over to JCP. To JCP! Um, 1989, uh, February 28th, at a World Championship Wrestling taping, Rick Steiner and Eddie Gilbert defeated Kevin Sullivan and Steve Williams to win the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. 2000 on Nitro, three count, Helms, Courageous, and more defeated Brian Nobbs to win the WCW Hardcore Championship. That's right, the whole team won the belt. Ah. 
Batman 2001 in, go ahead. Okay. Um, 2001 in Denver, uh, sorry, Dover, Delaware. Nick Burke defeated Justin Payne to win the ZZW World Heavyweight Championship, only to lose it uh, moments later to Yoshiro uh, Tajiri, who would lose it to John Zandig. Belt changing hands three times in minutes. That just, yeah, as I said before, that make to me, that makes your belt worthless when it changes that quickly that often. Uh, 2013 at Universal Orlando, Kenny King defeated Rob Van Dam to win the TNA X Division Championship. 2014 at Shine 17, Leva Bates and Mia Yim defeated Allison Kay and Taylor Maid in the finals of a one-night tournament to win the Shine Tag Team Championship. February 29th, 1992, uh, Brian defeated Justin Jeez, I just flatline there. Flying Brian defeated Jushin Thunder Liger to win the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. And on the same card, Sting defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship for the second straight year. All oh, right, we're going to go to the Monday Night Wars. This one is February 26, 2001. Um, if you want to do the Raw one, you do that. I'm going to go feed my cat. Yeah, sure. Uh, so February 26th, Monday Night Raw uh, took place at the American West Airlines Arena uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Justin Credible, uh, X-Pac, or and X-Pac defeated Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in four minutes and 50 seconds. Lita, with Matt Hardy in her corner, defeated Molly Holly, who had crashed in her corner in a WWF women's title number one contenders match, and it was under three minutes to become the number one contender. Kind of crazy. The Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon, defeated Haku and Rikishi to retain the WWF Tag Team Championships, and that was uh, just over six minutes and 37 seconds. I like the fact that they had Haku there and were teaming him up with Rikishi. That it was a team that should have lasted longer than it did. Unfortunately, Haku was only there briefly after defecting from WCW and showing up in time for the Royal Rumble. And he'd just been the hardcore champion uh, just days before defecting. I think they could have done more with Haku and Rikishi as a team, but sadly, that didn't happen. Uh, carrying on with the rest of the show, Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley and William Regal uh, took on Trish Jardis and Vince McMahon, and that ended in a no contest after three and a half minutes. Dean Malenko defeated uh, Taka Mishinoku to retain the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship in under three minutes. Chris Jericho defeated Raven to retain the WWF Intercontinental title at exactly three minutes. Jerry Lawler and the APA, Farouk and Bradshaw, defeated the right to censor, Bob Cannon, the good father, and Val Venus, who had Ivory and Stevie Richards in their corner, plus the cat, in 3 minutes and 27 seconds. And your main event was the big show, def uh, defeated Kurt Angle and The Rock in a triple threat match to retain the WWF Hardcore Championship. And that was a hardcore title match that was two seconds short of eight minutes as your main event for Monday Night Raw, uh, that episode. So it looks like I think they were at a two-hour era during that time. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of quick matches lasting uh, all around the three-minute mark. But they did stuff a whole bunch of things in uh leading up towards uh, WrestleMania uh, that year. So a uh, bunch of things going on, and this was leading towards um, WCW coming to an end. I think they had only four more episodes after this one. And if you want to run down what this episode had to give, go for it. Yeah, the, definitely this era of WCW kind of stunk. I did not like their entrance. It just, I don't know, they had... My favorite entrance, actually, for Nitro, I think, was the the opening logo, even though that was 
getting into the downward spiral of the show, but uh, I, I thought that was the best set. But anyways, who cares about sets? Um, we got some matches on the uh, on that card, and it was from New Orleans, Louisiana. WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Title Tournament quarterfinal saw Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. defeat Jason Lee and Johnny Swinger in about five minutes. Non-title tag team match, Lance Storm and Mike Awesome defeated Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. And that was a little over three minutes. The non-title match of the Cat defeating Rick Steiner uh, in about seven minutes. Uh, Six-man tag team match, Booker T, Diamond Dallas Page, and the Cat defeated Scott Steiner and Tolly Buff, which is Bagwell and Luger, in uh, 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Singles match, Shane, Shane Helms defeated Shannon Moore. A little over three minutes, Sean O'Hare defeated Canyon in about five, and Jeff Jarrett defeated Dustin Rhodes. Eight minutes and 43 seconds. Um, as far as wrestling goes, I I, I would say, oh, just by looking at the card, the WCW one probably had better wrestling going on. Um, as far as storylines... Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, at that time, also, Ernest the Cat Miller gave up uh, his uh, role as commissioner or whatever it was because he wanted to go after Chris Canyon. You had Ric Flair uh, as the head of WCW, the president or whatever they wanted to call him at that time, and he was leading the Magnificent Seven, which uh, were the Steiner brothers, um, Canyon, I believe, um, obviously, uh, Luger and Buff and a few others, uh, and we're obviously against uh, DDP and the returning uh, Booker T that night, which made a great uh, return, uh, him uh, coming in because it was uh, warned about, and the show started off with uh, DDP in the crowd and making fun of Steiner, or Scott Steiner, that is. But they'd also had the, I guess, the Canadians attacked Chronic, and yeah, just a lot of nonsense going on. Um, some good ma uh, length of matches, at least. They had a uh, twelve and a half minute six man tag, but yeah, storyline wise, like I said, they were four weeks away from being shut down, and they were anticipating the new owners at that point, which was supposed to be Bischoff and Fusion Media. So we know how all that ended. Yeah, I think in about four weeks' time, on that uh, our that episode for us, we are going to look at uh, the Monday Night War is going to be the final episode of Nitro and how they simulcast. So that'll be coming up uh, in a couple weeks' time. But this was uh, definitely the dark days for WCW. That dark, dark days. All right, we're going to go to more headlines. Starting with March 1st, 1986, WWF airs the first ever Slammy Awards. The awards show, taped three months earlier from Baltimore Civic Center in Baltimore, Maryland, was mainly used to promote the wrestling album, which was released back four months previous. The good old pre-internet days when you could air uh, banked events and nobody knew. Yeah, and that was listed as, even though it was the very first one, the uh, screenshot for uh, the opening had it listed as the 37th annual mm. uh, Slammy Awards. Nice. Fantastic. Uh, do March 1st, 2010, Wrestlelicious made its debut on uh, Mave TV in the United States and Bite TV in Canada. That might be Mad TV. Let me see. V D. Oh, no, that might be Mav. I don't know. Anyways, the all female comedy promotion founded by Powerball winner Johnny Vargas produced just 10 episodes. Yeah, it looked like uh, it was a, definitely a throwback to the old glow. Where yes. uh, they had some over-the-top characters, uh, and one of them, though, was Lacey Von Erich. Yeah, the things like Rachelicious, especially Glow, it reminds me uh, kind of those uh, children's programs where they kind of, you know, ha do little things of you know science stuff, and they have you know, I, it just wasn't 
You couldn't take it seriously. No. Uh, March 1st, 2011, Johnny Curtis is announced as the winner of the NXT Volume 4. Brodus Clay finished second. His biggest win came at WrestleMania 29 when Curtis, as ballroom dancer Fandango, defeated Chris Jericho in his in-ring debut. March 3rd, 2001, Women of Wrestling. Wow. The all-women's promotion founded by David McLean, the man behind Glow of the 1980s, uh, ceases operations indefinitely. The promotion was co-owned by Los Angeles Lakers owner Jenny Buss. The show would leave behind 24 episodes and one super crappy pay-per-view. Well, it is on its way back again for, I think, the third time. Yeehaw. And this time headed up by... Uh, Tessa Blanchard and a bunch of others. Eh, well, hopefully they um, they do well. Cause, yeah, um, I think they also have a deal with the CW, so we'll see what uh, comes of that later on this year. Uh, March 3rd, 2003, on Raw, Stone Cold Steve Austin made his first appearance on the show since his walkout from the company the previous summer. Austin was not a happy guy as he walked out just three months prior after WrestleMania 18. He had a rough, a rough time away from the WWE as he and Deborah had a domestic dispute with Austin winding up arrested. He would uh, quietly retire from in-ring competition just three weeks later after his loss to The Rock at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, and that's been 19 years since that happened, and rumor upon rumor has him coming back to actually come out of retirement at WrestleMania 38 uh, in Dallas, Texas, to take on uh, Kevin Owens in a stunner versus stunner uh, matchup. Who knows? WWE's looking for uh, people to fill two nights of uh, 100,000 uh, seats. Austin could be one of the people to do help bring that in. He definitely uh, would help in, in that uh I mean, I think Austin could have returned to the ring a long time ago, but uh, I like the fact that he's pretty much stayed retired. And, hey, if he's healthy, I think this is a decent time to come back, though. In a way, you'd think they, he'd wait till WrestleMania 40 because uh, I think guys like The Rock and that will wrestle at that in some way, whether it's in tag or something. Uh, Rock is the, uh, expected, but depending on what he has going on, uh, movie-wise and everything, because he's so busy elsewhere, mm -hmm. there's hope that he's actually going to headline WrestleMania 39 against Roman Reigns in uh, L.A. But that's what I have to wait and see, as I said, because he has so many movies, the XFL, Young Rock... Yeah, ballers and everything else going on, he might just not have time to uh, set aside and take on his cousin. Well, I think he's got to schedule it so that uh, after WrestleMania, the only type of shows he's going to be taping is ones where he can be sitting and, you know, just in case he fucks himself. Yep. Uh, March 3rd, 2013, WWE announced that William Moody, best known as Paul Bearer, would be posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. The announcement came almost a year to the day of Moody's death. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in our next episode, putting Mr. Moody, a.k.a. Paul Bearer, in our Superstar Spotlight. Oh, yes! Birthdays, March 1st. We got a whack load of them. General Adnan uh, turns 83. And um, interesting uh, background on this, on that guy. If you ever want a, uh, a good and simple read, a read up on General Adnan. Um, uh, kind of amazing uh, background of that, uh, what, what that guy went through and who, who he went to school with. And just uh, very yeah, interesting. No. At one point, he was a uh, Native American uh, character, Billy White Wolf. Yes. And then he was uh, uh, Sheik Adnan, uh, Adrian Adnan Alkese over in AWA, and of course came into WWF to uh, be General Adnan leading the turncoat, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, and of course eventually uh, Colonel Mustafa, the Iron Sheik. So. Yeah. 
up a until going on with... a year ago, I had no idea that. I mean, it it's it's a guy that in WWF was kind of more of a you know a jobber when he got in the ring and uh, a side character where the guy was like a main event card guy in his home um in his homeland with like over a hundred thousand people in attendance at these events that he put on uh with the backing of saddam hussein so like uh chris said you get a chance to check out uh daryl adnan's uh real life one of the few books i've ever read in my life uh mike tenay turns 67 Booker T turns 57, Scotty Riggs turns a uh, 56, and Biggie, he turns 36. Tennille Dashwood is 33, Davey Richards is 39, and Kyle O'Reilly turns 35. March 2nd, Deborah turns 62, and Lance Cade uh, would have turned 41. And March 2nd, it's a happy 51st birthday for Yoshi legend Minami Toyota. She's best known for her work with the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling AJW promotion. She is considered to be one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, regardless of gender. And on March 3rd, we got Justin Gabriel, or PJ Black, turns 41, and Hanson also known as Ibar, turns 38. The Viking Raiders. Oh, there you go. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is, but put it in there. Uh, Superstar Spotlight, we're going to go to Booker T. Wish we could play theme songs, you know? Yeah, I know. I didn't want the copyright strikes, though. I'm trying to find a way around that. I think I've uh, noticed that other videos who uh, use clips are putting a copyright for the WWE in their uh, mm -hmm. description so that they don't get tagged. So we'll yeah. see what happens. All right. Well, that sounds like a lot more work for you, though. Yeah, who knows? All right. Uh, Booker T. Hoffman Jr. Uh, was born March 1st, 1965. And, of course, he's better known by his ring name, Booker T. He's an American professional wrestler, professional wrestling promoter, and color commentator. He is currently signed to WWE and is also the owner and founder of the independent mm -hmm. promotion Reality of Wrestling in Texas City. Uh, Booker has been named by peers and industrial commentators of one of the greatest professional wrestlers of his era. He was voted WWE's greatest world heavyweight champion in 2013 viewer poll. Booker is best known for his time in World Championship Wrestling, uh, the World Wrestling Federation Entertainment, and Total Nonstop Action, uh, holding 35 championships between those organizations. He is the most decorated wrestler in WCW history, having held 21 titles, including a record six WCW World Television Championships, along with being the first African-American title holder and a record 11 WCW World Tag Team Championships, 10 as one half of Harlem Heat with his brother, uh, Lash St uh, Stevie Ray Huffman in WCW. Uh, and most of those reigns are within that company. And one in the WWF with Test, Booker was the final WCW World Heavyweight Champion and WCW United States Heavyweight Champion within the active WCW organization. Booker is a six-time world champion in professional wrestling, having won the WCW belt five times and WWE's championship once, uh, which is, you know, somewhat surprising. You think he would have got it more than once, but uh, that's just too bad. Yeah. Uh, with his fifth WCW championship win, which occurred in the WWF, Booker T became the second African-American to win a world championship in the WWF E after The Rock. And the first, and the first to be of non-mixed race. He is also the winner of the 2006 mm -hmm. King of the Ring tournament, the 16th Triple Crown champion, and 8th Grand Slam champion under original format in WWE history. As the ninth WCW Triple Crown Champion, Booker is one of five men to achieve both the WWE and WCW Triple Crowns. 
Uh, he has headlined, uh, headlined multiple pay-per-view events for WWF, E, WCW, and TNA throughout his career. Booker T was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame on April 6, 2013 by his brother, Lash. Both he and Lash were inducted together in the 2019 class on April 6 uh, as Harlem Heat, uh, rendering Booker a two-time Hall of Famer. Yeah, uh, once, once again, when I was uh, doing these slides and finding all the titles that he won, three-time global uh, tag team champion with his brother Stevie Ray, one-time reality of wrestling tag team title with his brother Stevie Ray, uh, then we saw the 10 times uh, with Stevie Ray in WCW, six-time uh, WCW TV champion, one-time U.S. champion, five-time world heavyweight champion, one-time world heavyweight champion in WWE, one-time uh, WCW tag uh, champ with Test in WWE. Like, so many things just kept on coming up with uh, title, two-time hardcore uh, champion. Like, uh, Bradshaw considers him the best acquisition in WCW purchase, and he's got his Hall of Fame podcast, appeared and ready to rumble the movie, Bad Bunny uh, named a song after Booker T, and of course used Cauliflower Alley Tag Team Award in 2018. All right, definitely Booker T, one of the uh, premier wrestlers out there in the uh, mid to late 90s and 2000. Yeah, and he worked uh, as Black Snow, G.I. Bro, Cole, when Harlem Heat first came in, there was Kane and Cole. And then, of course, King Booker. Yeah, and they were led to the ring. I'm not sure if they were in shackles, but they were in, um, I believe, prison garb. Yeah, I think uh, when they first uh, came, they were uh, somewhat uh, looking chain gangish, And uh, I think Colonel Robert Parker yes. or somebody was with them. Yes. Uh, and that made it even look worse. <laughs> didn't go off so well. But we live and learn and evolve, and he became so much better than just G.I. Bro or Black Snow. And, hey, I think that type of thing of the white man owning the black uh, people and bringing them into wrestling, it's wrestling. I personally think that's fine um, as long as you don't, you know, overdo it. Uh because they can always fight for their freedom, you know. Okay, now that I've said that, uh, racist. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not racist. Um, uh, March first, nineteen ninety-eight. We're gonna go to title changes. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Taz to win the ECW World Television Championship, and the uh, uh, end of this featured the. Uh, uh, belt oh god i can't even say this at the end of the bout uh, there you go uh the men fell through the ring with bam bam in a taz mission bam bam pulled taz out from under the ring to pin him some think this was a legit ring break but i do believe it was planned go watch it on google and let me know what you think i'm going with a uh, planned one uh just the yeah it's possible to do that sort of stuff and get the shock and awe and i wouldn't put it past uh Paul Heyman. I mean, I, I can understand um, maybe a board cracking or even breaking, but you'd have to have at least two to three boards break in around the same area real bad for that to happen. So, yeah. uh, but it, it, whether it was planned or not, it didn't matter. It looked great. Um, kind of similar to when uh, they did it on the um, ramp. Uh, as long as you don't overdo it, uh, why not? Once in a while, instead of using the table, let them go through shit, other shit. Uh, March 1st, 2005 at SmackDown Orlando, Jordan uh, defeated John Cena to win the WWE United States Championship. March 1st, 2007, in Louisville, Kentucky, Brent Albright defeated CM Punk to win a one-night tournament for the vacated DVW Heavyweight Championship. The title was vacated February 8th following the announcement that Matt Capitelli, uh, oh, God, I'm butchering that name, had brain cancer. 
March 2nd, 1993, at a WCW Worldwide taping, the Hollywood Blondes, Pillman and Austin, defeated Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas to win the WCW World Tag Team Championship. The match aired on tape delay 25 days later. Also on the taping, Paul Orndorff defeated Eric Watts in a tournament final to win the WCW World Television belt. The title was vacated back in November when then-champion Scott Steiner left for the WWF. Amazing how you can hold off a title change 25 days, especially yeah, in that era. And a lot of these, uh, when they would lose the belt until it was aired, the guy that lost it would still be defending it until that, until the day that it showed. So kind of, uh, you know, definitely can poke holes in the way that wrestling was done years ago. But, uh, hey, who cares? <laughs> March 2nd, 2008, in Tokyo, Japan, uh, Takeshi Moriyashima defeated uh, Mitsura Masawa to win the GHC Heavyweight Championship and end the 448 run f uh, from Misawa. March 2nd, 2013, Matt Taven defeated Adam Cole to win the ROH World TV belt. Also on the 2nd, 2013, Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly defeated the Briscoe Brothers to win the ROH World Tag Team Belts. March 3rd, 1922, in Wichita, Kansas, Ed Strangler Lewis defeated uh, Stanleyus Zabisco to win the World Heavyweight Championship. This is the surname that Lawrence Whistler adopted, a.k.a. Larry Zabisco. In March 3rd, 2014, on Raw, the Usos defeated the New Age Outlaws to win the WWE Tag Team Belts. And that takes us to a quick look at an event breakdown. It's the very first NXT uh, before they became takeovers. Uh, it's NXT Arrival, February 27th, 2014, Full Sail Arena, Winter Park, uh, Florida. It is the first live event on the new WWE Network. It just launched days earlier uh, before this event happened. And uh, Triple H opened the show proclaiming that NXT is the next generation and the next generation has arrived. And that uh, undercard, we saw Cesaro defeat Sami Zayn. Mojo Rawley uh, defeated CJ Parker, which is uh, uh, Juice Robinson now. Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods went to a no contest. And in the bigger uh, matches for titles, you saw the Ascension defeat Too Cool, which was Scotty Tuvati and uh, Grandmaster Sexay, to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. Paige defeated Emma to retain the NXT Women's uh, Championship. And the main event, as we mentioned earlier, Adrian Neville defeated Bo Dallas in a ladder match to win the NXT Championship and end Bo Dallas's long title reign. So uh, definitely a uh, event to go back and check out uh, if you get a chance on the WWE Network. All right, and that is the end for this week in wrestling history. Of course, the this week in wrestling history is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, KHIDSeats.com, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And as always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com, and sportsbook betting in casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And, of course, a shout-out to all of our genres listeners. Yeah, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, reach out to us any way possible. Email our Facebook page, quickest and easiest way to get to us. We're on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, check out our website, scumbagswrestling.ca, and join us every morning for our uh, March Madness tournament throughout the month of March on our Facebook page. Uh, next week, we are going to look at Paul Bear and... Uh, Bruce Pritchard in our spotlights. We're going to do two Monday Night Wars because there's WWF versus WCW and TNA versus WWE happening. Not many other events going on, so we're going to look at those type of things and title changes. 
plus birthdays and a few headlines. I thank you again and wish you all a great day. Cheers.